All right. Welcome, everybody, to the H2P podcast here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. Corey and I are going to try to make this midweek more of a tradition. It's mm-hmm. a lot easier for both of our schedules, at least till basketball starts and starts having games on Wednesday nights, Corey. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, welcome back. Freshly baked H2P podcast. Week yeah. one, Gary. Week we are one. unafraid, unlike Penn State, supposedly. So, oh, uh, we'll get to that. We'll we, get to we that. We might, we might, we might. We'll see if we got time for it. But hey, we're going to have an all football episode, which I'm super stoked about. No mm-hmm. side drama, nothing. Just straight up football. Let's analyze this team, dude. We haven't done it yet, really. We I talked know. about like some seeing some guys in shorts throw balls around, but it's time to like analyze what we got here, man. Let's start with the offense. Let's start with the fun stuff. What do you think? What is it going to be better or worse this year? And why? Wow. I love that we're doing this, by the way. I love that we're back and talking about real football, not just football and shorts, yeah. not just hypotheticals and depth charts and all that. The off season is where sports talk goes to die, my friend. <laughs> we survived it goes, it, sort of. It goes somewhere. I'll say that. That's right. Pit football's offense. Uh, we've talked about this in the past couple of weeks when it comes to Phil Dracovic. I think it all spins off of Phil. And this offense can be very good. It can be just good. It could be average. It could be slightly poor. Or it could completely go down the toilet. I mean, I truly... <laughs> it's I don't a regular go, craps board. But I don't think it'll go down the toilet. But... I think this offense truly has a lot more unknown to it than maybe people would want to admit. Look, the brass tacks around Phil Dracovic for as talented as he is, you know, for as physically gifted as he is, there's still something to be said about putting results on the field. And the bottom line is he wasn't able to cut mustard at Notre Dame and Boston College. He couldn't stay healthy. He couldn't stay on the field. So I understand why there's excitement and expectation around Phil Dracovic. I understand why there's thought that Pitt could have a better year than last year because they won nine football games with mediocre to bad quarterback play basically all year. I'd say 85% of the year, maybe minus what the West Virginia, the Tennessee and the Miami game. And then the Sun Bowl. So out of four of the games. So a lot of it does lean on Phil Dracovic. They don't have the ACC leading rusher coming back with Israel Banakanda. It's Roddy Hammond now. Little bit of a different look to the offensive line. And while Kanate Mumfield and Bum Means are back at wide receiver, there's still question marks in that room. It is still the biggest question mark on the team for me, that receiver depth. Yeah. So... That's why I say this offense can be very good. It could just be good. It could be average. It could be below average. See, I see a lot of similarities between Pitt's offense this year and the Steelers offense. You know, I no, I don't think like they're as talented as the Steelers people, but I mean, like it all revolves around like how good is this quarterback? Mm-hmm. Like we've seen some things from both of them that, look special but how do they actually come in and do it that it all does revolve around the quarterback i i agree with you i think the the wide receiver depth scares me a little bit um they have a a nice 
older offensive line returning. Mm-hmm. That is good. I think something that's going to be super important on this team with this quarterback, Corey, might be how good is Christian Valu? Because <laughs> he may very well have to play. And I mean like a decent amount if history holds with young Mr. Jakovic. They will need solid backup quarterback play. Now, we don't want Phil Jakovic to go down with any kind of injury, illness, whatever it may be. Obviously, we're not certainly not wishing it on him. No. Obviously, we're not wishing that. But like you said, there is a bit of an injury history with Phil. And this staff is confident in Christian. This staff is also confident in Nate Yarnell. And that's why those two were somewhat battling it out for the number two throughout camp. But having that position shored up and think of it and relate it to last year when Nate Yarnell was forced to start the Western Michigan game and not forced from the standpoint of, you know, Hey kid, get out there. It was because Keen Slovis Although he was cleared, it was you know Pat Narduzzi wasn't comfortable rolling him out there against Western Michigan. Right, Nick Patty couldn't play, so you know when you have to go to your third string quarterback in college football, you better hope it's at least a decent one or one that can at least like Nate Yarnell had to do against Western, go out there and do just enough and take care of the football just enough for that defense that Pitt builds every year in a similar fashion to be able to go win the football game. And that's exactly what happened. So does that necessarily translate to this quarterback depth chart in this quarterback room? I don't know if that's the case. I think this is a stronger quarterback room as a collective than what Pitt has had last year, even going back to the Kenny Pickett years. I think having Christian as a solid two and Nate as someone that now has some experience under this offense and some experience in this system is going to benefit Pitt, although, again, we don't want to see it. Absolutely. And the same thing can be said for running back because Rodney Hammond has a little bit of a history of some some bruises getting a little too big and some hamstring pulls and things like that. So that backup situation is going to be just as important. Sebo Flemister really probably has to be the guy that steps up. Between Sebo Flemister and Derek Davis. Derek Davis, I would hope, gets some of that third down work, some of that goal line work, some of that goal-to-go work. We've talked about this in previous shows. I think this running back unit will be more of a collective than what it was last year with Izzy just taking a bunch of carries a game and leading the ACC in rushing. I think it will lean on Rodney Hammond for the bulk of the work. Right. But I also think that there will be more of a distribution to Flemister and Davis, more Flemister than Davis. But I think Hammond's still going to take a fair amount, the majority of the work compared to the other two. And I think that's the best situation for them. I think that's the best way to go about it. I think that's the best way to go about it. Not saying Rodney Hammond is, you know, not capable, but I think it's more about the style that Frank Signetti is going to deploy with a quarterback like Jerkovic that he's more comfortable with. And I think it has more to say about Djokovic's, um, I guess, style and like the style at which this offense will look under Djokovic compared to having to lean on Izzy and having to lean on this offensive line for production over the quarterback. 
Yeah, that all makes sense, man. I think it's time for final statement time on the offense here, and then we'll go to a quick break. So here's mine. If Gavin Bartholomew is an All-American, this offense is pretty good this year. All-American. So I'm going to follow up real quick. So Gavin's usage last year was questioned at many points, at all points, nearly. So what evidence do you feel is there to say Gavin could make that big of a leap? I guess is where I want to branch off of. I think they're not going to have the same kind of running game and they're going to need to develop an intermediate passing scheme to to master getting down the field at all. Mm Because you can't just go for bomb after bomb or you'll get rushed to death. And I'm not sure they're going to have the rushing attack to dominate a game the way they did. I think they're going to have to develop some some tight curls over the middle and use Bartholomew's size to to incrementally go down the field. Mm Mm-hmm. My blanket statement's this before we take a quick break here on H2P. This offense goes as the offensive line goes. Mm. I feel so confident in this offensive line, even with Ryan Jacoby out for the season, as it was confirmed by Pat Narduzzi. I feel very confident in Branson Taylor and Mackett Salvas at tackle. I feel very confident in Jake Cradle at center and Blake Zabovic at guard. I feel very confident in that unit. And now... I want to see if they can evolve as more of a pass blocking unit instead of being the typical run blocking unit. And especially like we saw last year. Sure. And I'll say as far as the offensive line goes, they are seasoned, Mm -hmm. but they get young real quick on the depth chart. So it's a, it's a mighty drop off if, if it goes down below that. So let's take a quick break here. Come back, pick up, start talking about the defense. Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, we're back to the H2P podcast here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. Corey and Gary, we're ready to pick up where we left off. Let's do defense now, because defense, it's been strong for years with a lot of moving parts, you know, and I do feel like they had some established leaders that just moved on, though. You know, Dennis is going to be a big loss. Haba Bonanato is going to be a big loss. Can't see. I mean, like, yeah. I don't know how you get around losing big pillars like that. But the secondary could carry that a little bit. You're not going to replace Kalijah Cansey. You're just not. Right. From a skill perspective, from a production perspective, from a game planning perspective. I mean, this is a guy that you had to double team. And even then, you might not have had success stopping him. Right. That's how good he was. And now, and no disrespect intended to um, David Greed, David Danielson, those guys up the middle. 
But this is going to be a different look to this defense because that star power that Cansey brought was just so pun intended out of this world. Like, yeah, that's a guy that changes game plans and game flows and impacts the entirety of what an offense wants to do. Servasier Dennis is a green dot. One of the smartest players Pat Narduzzi has ever had, ever coached, ever been around, especially as a green dot and as a middle linebacker. No disrespect again to Shane Simon or Bengali Kamara or Brandon George. Those starting linebackers, those are good quality starting linebackers, but they weren't on Servasier Dennis's level. They just, and, and I don't know if they can be on that level this year. Right. The secondary is going to be the thing. Even with Brandon Hill and Eric Hallett going to the NFL, the secondary is going to be the thing that carries this defense, I think. I'm right. very high on MJ Devonshire. You know that. I'm high on Mar- Marquez Williams. I like AJ Woods. I think the young safeties are going to be quality players. I think PJ O'Brien and Javon McIntyre are going to be quality players for Pat Narduzzi. And then you have Donovan McMillan, who flies around pretty well, hits hard, good body. So there's a lot of pieces to like on this defense. So I hear it's about that you stepping up. I hear everything you said. I can get behind that secondary stepping up and kind of leading the way. I, I agree. The secondary suffer without a pass rush. So who Mm -hmm. does it? It's going to rely heavily on Dan Hayes this year. And he came along pretty strong towards the end of last year. Remember, he had the three sacks yeah. at Miami to close the regular season. It's going to be a lot on Dayon Hayes. And on the other side is where I would have the questions. Because Nate Temple, quote-unquote, won the starting job. You know how Pat Narduzzi does depth charts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A.K.A. he doesn't. Um, <laughs> Nate Temple won the job. But Nikai Johnson's there. Elliot Donald. You could see a little Sean Fitzsimmons. You could see about three or four guys line up opposite Deion Hayes at any given time. Yeah. And that and that bodes well for Pitt's defense in the long run, but how's that going to make an immediate impact in the 23 season? Yeah, it's tough, man, because I, I, I do think he, he does love to leave the corners on an island, but that usually has to be supported by a pass rush. You, you know, the best corners can't hang all day you know mm-hmm. so you got to get to the quarterback at some point that's always what i felt helped contribute to the, the development of the secondary so when you have a lot of youngsters out there i, I kind of worry more that they don't have more of a pronounced pass rush Dayon hayes has improved but he can be taken out if he's the only one doing it is there any kind of scheming you think we'll see with somebody like kamara maybe rushing a little bit more often than they have traditionally from that position. That is very possible for those linebackers to be brought in more blitz packages, more disguise packages, even to try to help free up a gap for whether it's Hayes or green or Danielson or whoever it is, there's going to be opportunity for this defensive line. There's going to be plays to be made by this defensive line. I don't want to say, you know, Kalaja Kansi, Hava Baldonado, Desolin Alexander, those three guys moving on is going to completely kill the room because right, right. I really don't feel that way. I think there's there's good quality play behind them that have sat and wait, waited their turn and learned and are now ready to take the next step. However, the question I do have is how much of that production, let's say 
whatever the number of sacks, tackles for loss, pressures, hits, whatever, that Cansey, Baldonado, and Alexander bought is a, is a, is X. Okay, let's say that number sure. is X. Sure. Can the 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 group of Hayes and Danielson and Green and Temple and Jules and all these guys give that similar production? This has been a program that has been at or near the top of FBS, not just the ACC, football bowl subdivision in sacks over the recent four or five years. Yep. I don't know if they get to the top of the list, but I think they could stay near the top of it. I mean, who would you say is your um, your pick to click here on the defense? Like guy that's maybe a little further down on the depth chart right now that you could see emerging as the season goes out, goes on. Like I would think mine would be Elliot Donald. Mm-hmm. Does it necessarily have to be confined to the defensive line? No, nope. the entire defense. So I have a few options and I think here's the beauty of what Pitt's able to do, at least with their secondary and their linebackers, right? Like, I think there's a lot of potential for Bengali Kamara, right? To step up as a really good linebacker. I think there's a lot of potential. I mean, like world's potential for MJ Devonshire to just break out as a, as a star athlete and a star player. Here's my favorite thing about this defense. Even though those safeties are so young and talented, yeah, Donovan McMillan's right there. And I think that Delta package they like to run, if they want to give a three safety look, if they want to play PJ O'Brien or Javon McIntyre in the slot, they're able to do that. I think they could do that without questioning it. So I want to see Donovan McMillan in this new sort of life come out of his shell. I think he has a lot of potential to him. I think he's happy to be home. I think he fits the defense well from a blitzing and from a center field scheme. I think that could be a guy that right, not right now, or rather we're not talking about him a lot right now, but later down the year, we could be looking at Donovan McMillan as an impact guy coming in. What do you think about um, Braylon Lovelace? I haven't seen enough of him to be able to, you know, give a good shout out to him or a good, you know, feel to him or anything. But I've heard good reports coming out of the South side about Braylon Lovelace and Cruz Brookings for that matter. So there is good young depth coming up. Um, So we'll, we'll see obviously how much that transpires and how much that develops over the course of the year. Yeah, it's definitely, it's got the feel of, of a very veteran secondary and a very veteran line. Uh, the the linebacking core is pretty young though, outside of uh, Bengali. So it should be pretty interesting to to watch develop this year. Um, sometimes those kids they just come out and just out of nowhere almost. And that's why I asked about Lovelace because I remember a lot of people were excited when he signed. So I, it's nice to see those come through and have a chance to get some playing time as freshmen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Real quick, uh, we are broadcasting this live after all on YouTube. Uh, in addition to recording the podcast, and you know, <laughs> Byron checks in with the comment here. Byron Fleck, he says, "Big news of the week: ACC away games in theaters, IMAX surround sound, floor vibrates when crowd gets loud, big impact hits. You know, makes the seat go already be live rolled out for live concerts. 
look, I, I like that bit of news and I like that Byron brought it to the forefront before we take a quick break here because like sometimes these road games are hard to catch. They're hard to watch. Yeah. They're hard to find. And especially with all these like TV deals floating around, I think this is a cool idea. And by the way, when's the last time you set foot in a movie theater? Uh, unfortunately, I got drugged to that Barbie movie not too long ago. So, oh. so not good things about it. Good <laughs> things about it, though. Hey, man, we went for her and she didn't like it. So, oh, wow. There's okay. no reason for me to pretend or champion it or anything. I didn't like it. <laughs> the last time I saw a movie in the theater. Wow. I legit don't know. I could. I couldn't tell you off the top of my head i wanted to see barbie i wanted to see oppenheimer but i didn't get to do either i wanted to see the super mario movie but it came for free to peacock so right. i just watched so it there yeah yeah so i just watched it there hey uh, speaking of free this is not free let's take a quick break <laughs> let's do it We're back to the H2P podcast here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. And those of you that watch live get the benefit of just watching it with us, just taking a, a literal couple second break where we pop in an ad. So yeah. good for you. Um, we do have to talk special teams a little bit. The kicking game is going to be pretty decent. It looks like a, a return of, of what we had pretty much. Nothing, oh, yeah. Nothing special there. Well, Ben Saul's. This is kind of a better situation that Pitt was in last year compared um, just because of Ben Sauls. Ben Sauls really just worked and established himself to become the best place kicker in the ACC, if not a top two or top three one. And of course, it was marked by the Sun Bowl five for five. Just absolutely sensational. Won the game for Pitt. The punting situation is still not, you know, 100 (laughs) percent. Caleb Junko did get the scholarship, uh, you know, so he will be the quote-unquote starting punter. Uh, Cam Guess is still there, of course. Jeff, well, I hear tell, I hear tell that the Steelers kept an extra one if they need one. So, But then they released them the day after. <laughs> so, like, the, the I wanted to make the joke that, oh, Omar Khan and, you know, Mike Tomlin were seeing what Pat Narduzzi was doing and thought it was innovative, but I couldn't make that comment. I love it, man. Um, and then kick returner, punt returner, you know, we got Bub Means and MJ Devonshire. I question how often we'll see those two there, especially the wide receiver. I'm not sure I would risk Bub Beans there. (laughs) How about you? Well, I I wouldn't either. Keep in mind last year, Rodney Hammond returned kicks, and I still think there's potential for him to do that. If you look at the depth chart, the name that intrigues me there is uh, Chain Wabuko. Chain, Chain Wabuko is a like champion sprinter and a champion runner. Um, Small spoiler, I guess I was going to do a story on him uh, last spring because he also runs for the track and field team. Yeah. I was going to do a story on him last spring and like I did the interview and then the timing just didn't work and it fell through. So so if if you're listening to this and we know that you are, I apologize. Uh, but I, it was on the mind. Like I was thinking of doing it because it's so unique to have, he's on scholarship for football and he's running track and he's good. He's a good track runner. 
So that name intrigued me on the depth chart as someone that could return kicks. I think he could return punts too. Um, so we'll see if they eventually roll that out. Um, yeah, I think aside from that, I'm pretty good on that. I, I feel like that's a decent look at the team, man. Mm-hmm. I feel like we think the defense is what? It's, we probably didn't finish that yet. What do we think is up or down, trending up or down? I'm thinking up. I want to say it's neutral. I, I want to say it's neutral. Again, I keep I keep having it on my mind that Kalijah Kansi's gone and Hama Baldonado's gone and Deslan Alexander's gone and Servasier Dennis and Brandon Hill and Eric Hallett. That's six right there yeah. that are gone. And I don't want to say they're all ready immediately. I think there might be a little bit of adjusting a little bit of getting after it, so to speak. I think they will be fine in the long run. I think things will even out in the long run, but I need to see what kind of production they're going to be able to get from these new players, new players being of course a relative term than having six NFL caliber guys on that, on that field. I I agree with everything you said. I think that this, if they can get after the quarterback, I love this secondary. Mm-hmm. And in the ACC, they love to throw the football. I love having a secondary like that in a league that loves to throw the football. I think this is a, a secondary that is going to take the ball away. So I'm excited to watch it play out. Again, I think they have to get to the quarterback. That's my only question. I just don't see that production. So <laughs> until I see it, I'm not yeah. sure I'm going to see it. But we have to move on to a certain um, national topic. Do we want to call it regional topic? Statewide topic? I guess it's statewide. Yeah. Is Pitt afraid <laughs> to play Penn State? That's the big question. Or is Penn State afraid, afraid to play Pitt? Are they afraid to play each other? Why don't they play each other? It's such a, like, I don't know. Because let, of let me tell you college what, football, man. This you're, from Ohio, college football, right? you're, yeah. you're from Ohio. Right. So you, for you, these conversations are probably more Michigan, Ohio state related, right? Always. Okay. And they're not even in state, but that rivalry meant something to you. And, and one of you looks down at the other, right? Mm -hmm. For sure. Like Ohio state looks down their nose at Michigan and Michigan feels that, that they look down their nose at Ohio state. This is no different. This was a big rivalry here in the 70s and the 80s. And it really has never been since. Joe Paterno screwed it up. <laughs> That's all there is to it. He didn't want to play Pitt anymore. And then everybody since has either held a grudge or been stupid about it. And they've decided to play the game a few times and rekindled all this nonsense again so we can fight it all out all over again. It's, it's dumb. Just We didn't like losing the backyard brawl either. Mm-hmm. I love having rivalry games, but as these conferences expand, this stuff's harder and harder to hold together. It mm-hmm. really is like Penn state has to play nine conference games. You know, it's hard to like, make sure on top of that, I'm going to play pit every year and West Virginia too, every once in a while. And I just don't, I don't blame either side. I just wish they could just get it done. Cause I think it's good for regional recruiting. Mm-hmm. You want to recruit the Whippeal and you want the Whippeal to stay in the state. What better way than having Pitt and Penn State play? Mm-hmm. 
the reason why we bring this up again, again, for the, I don't know if we talked about it on the show, but the reason why it's, it's coming up again, it's been a topic for like months, it seems like. But the reason why it's back up on this show is because Pat Narduzzi went on 93.7 The Fan uh, on Tuesday, yesterday. How often have we started a segment saying that? Yeah, really. And again, the buzz topic, who's scared to play whom, right? Why aren't they playing each other? Quote from Pat Narduzzi, you'd have to ask James Franklin that. My answer is, let's go. We've called. We've asked. Like, okay. You could call and ask. This doesn't mean they're going to grant it. And we don't know for the we don't know for the fact the Penn State side either. Have they called and asked? And Pitt has said no. We don't know that much. But I I don't I don't want to throw uh, rocks in a glass house, and I don't want to see other people do it, especially either. So you're right when it comes to this day and age in college football and how things and realignment and NIL and all this other stuff. Some of the rivalries are going by the wayside. Why do you think the backyard brawl went away for what was it? 11 years, however long it was. It was forever. It went away. It went away for. And then it came back last year and it was one of the best football games of the entire college season. So Pitt and Penn State, this little, um, you know, game of chicken they're playing with each other, so to speak. I'm not a fan of it. I wish they played every year. There were probably alums that whether they played football or not from the seventies and eighties, maybe even the nineties wish they played this football game, but they don't. And now you could skew it to not just the chess match of, you know, is Penn state scared? Is Pitt scared? You know, who wants to play whom, who doesn't, you could also chalk it up to money. You could chalk it up to realignment. You could chalk it up to the, so to speak, politics of college football. Yeah, I think at different times throughout this entire process, it's been one of all those things. Mm -hmm. The way things are going, they're going to wind up in some super massive conference together anyway here with (laughs) before too long. I mean, it seems it it just smells to me, Corey, like this is all boiling down to like a a quadrant split of fours Mm -hmm. that create you know, brackets and, and you just go from there. I, it, it feels like that's what's happening. It's just about the money coming due for everybody else at this, at some point, it's just not worth getting worked up about. I certainly don't think we need to call each other names over. <laughs> like, I don't think so it's, either. It's just a stupid game. Like I want them to play it, I but I want them to play the backyard brawl too. And even I have to admit just from Pitt's perspective, I don't want to play Penn state and West Virginia every single year because I want like a chance to like have 10 wins and 11 wins. And there's years where I'm not going to get that playing both of them. Yeah. But that's the, that's the thing about it is I'm being a fan here. I'm not talking I understand like, that. I understand that. But then on the off chance that the one year pit beats Penn state, does a five-star recruit flip from Penn state to Pitt or does two or does three on the, on the flip side, if Penn state wins, let's say, let's say Pitt and Penn state agree to a five-year contract. Okay. And Penn state wins the first four of them. How many recruits does Penn state take for Pitt? Let's say that contract is agreed upon. Penn state takes the first four and then Pitt takes the fifth one. Like whether it's by chance or just they flat out beat them. How does that affect Penn State's recruiting and their commits? And it's, oh, no, they can't beat Pitt. 
Or on the flip side, it's, oh, no, Pitt can't beat Penn State. They're not a power. So it opens that door. But I guess, and my point is, instead of that getting to five recruits, it's probably more like three not playing that game. However many it is. However many it is. I just think, like, you have to play that game in order to to keep the region interested. That's all. I think they've done better even... uh, like Penn State plays Ohio State all the time because they're in the conference together, right? I think sure. that's becoming a rivalry. I don't think it's a big rivalry. I don't think Ohio State sees it as a rivalry. I think Penn State absolutely does mm-hmm. right now. So they are very much in the pit position of this conversation. And Pitt has its rivalries. Be, and yeah. I mean, Pitt has its rivalries aside from West Virginia. It just so happens that the ACC is a mid-tier Power 5 conference. And yeah. it will be going forward, even if, by the way, even if Cal, Stanford, and SMU are added, it's still going to be in the middle. They're going to make a little more money, but it's still going to be in the middle. Yeah, truth be told, you know how rivalries come to be? By being really good. Yeah. You have to be really good for a really long time and have a, somebody else be really good for a really long time in order for you to really truly hate each other. Otherwise it's just historical hatred and maybe I'll get lucky and beat you. Like <laughs> the reason Pitt doesn't have traditional, like loud rivalries is because they have to have a mid like West Virginia who can be good sometimes just like Pitt can be and can be not so good sometimes just like Pitt can be. And they fight each other, and they stay pretty even keeled. That's why that rivalry works. <laughs> it's just how it is. it is. If we ever get to the point where we're competing directly with Clemson for five, six years, guess what will develop? A rivalry. Right. I mean, just like right. we hated UConn back in the Big East days of basketball and Georgetown and Syracuse. That's where those came to be. Mm-hmm. We were really good. Mm-hmm. And Corey needs to go because he's busy. So let's well, end the show. <laughs> well, not quite yet. Not quite yet. I got one more topic real quick. We got to talk a little bit about Pitt Wofford. Now, FCS sure. opponent by game. We obviously expect Pitt to win the football game. And I think a good way to close the show would be to ask a question for both of us to answer. Hmm. What would a successful outing look like for you against Wofford? clean meaning like i don't want it to i don't want to see it filled with penalties i'd like to see uh structure from the offensive line and good protection wofford Mm -hmm. is not a team that should sack our quarterback Mm -hmm. that shouldn't happen there really should be no sacks and i'd i would really just like to see them keep jacovic upright probably got to win this one by two three touchdowns though for me to feel Mm -hmm. like there's anything positive to take from it i'll keep mine brief i want to see mistake free football take care of the football don't turn it over they don't have to score on every drive it's not going to happen but don't let wofford punch the ball out don't let wofford get opportunities this is a, a fcs pie game you shouldn't have to worry about the fcs pie game opponent until at least like the fourth quarter, if the reserves come in, putting scoring drives on you, you shouldn't have to worry about that. You shouldn't have to wor- You shouldn't have to struggle, I guess, is the word I'm looking for. Don't make I, it interesting. Don't struggle. That's that's my best thing about it. 
We'll find out, Gary, and uh, we'll reconvene next Wednesday around this time in the evening. Uh, I think this is a good time for both of us during the season, especially with me doing some Steelers work. So uh, looking forward to getting going. 23 seasons here, folks. Sounds good. Let's go. Let's end the show the way we always do. H2P.